Welcome to the Three Tomatoes Happy Hour, and we do love happy hour and the clinking of glasses and cheers to all you fabulous women who are fully living your lives at every age and every stage. And here's the best news, every hour is happy hour. So whether you clink cheers with your coffee mug or your afternoon cappuccino, remember as the song says, it's five o'clock somewhere. Join us for some grown-up fun, interesting and stimulating conversations that will motivate, inspire, or just make you laugh. And for more grown-up fun, visit our website, The Three Tomatoes, and the three is spelled out, and sign up for our newsletters. Now sit back and relax and enjoy the episode. So greetings, tomatoes. I'm Cheryl Benton, your host of today's Happy Hour podcast, and you are in for a really fun ride because we are going to be talking about love, life, and real estate. Our guest today is Holly Parker. She's one of Manhattan's most successful real estate brokers. She sold over $8 billion, and yes, that's billion, of luxury real estate throughout her career at Douglas Elliman. And she has a brand new book called Back on the Market, A Realtor's Guide to Love and Life, which is a very funny and also poignant view at times of life after divorce that weaves in real estate as its metaphor. So welcome, Holly. Thank you so much. I'm so thrilled to be on, on this podcast with you. Uh, well, I'm excited to have you here. And really, I loved, loved, loved your book. And one of the things I really love about it is its uniqueness. It's really very, very different. And on one level, it's, it's a memoir, really, I think, of how you struggled with life after divorce and finding yourself, which so many women have gone through. But you've managed to encapsulate love, life, and lessons learned in a very funny and clever way by relating it to real estate. And it works. And it was really terrific. So, First, let me ask you, why did you decide to tell the story? Because it is very personal and you do put yourself out there. There's a lot of vulnerability there. And then how did you decide you were going to express it through real estate terms? Well, the the real estate terms were always there. It's it's I'm working with clients all day long and my job is to help them improve their life right? Find a new home. Really, it's about finding a new life. And what I learned along the way is a home is really where you go for serenity, right? To where, where you feel comfort and you feel centered. So of course, that comes down to connecting to yourself and connecting with your relationship. So it only made sense that those two love and real estate go together and then i you know i did find my way through the fire and i did get to the other side and i and i do have the dream that i so desperately wanted and i want to reach those people that are going through the fires now pivoting it doesn't have to be love it could be a career it could be whatever they are struggling with where they want to improve their life and really get to their dream. They want to start living their dream. This message was written for them. Well, and you do a great job because through sharing your story, you really share so many 
very valuable lessons that you learned along the way. And it's a very empowering book for women who, who, who many of whom I'm sure listening are going through a very similar thing. So let's tell the backstory a little bit so people get a sense. So you were married to the guy you thought was the love of your life. And then seven years later, we just, it just wasn't working and it wasn't working in a, in, a, in a capsule because both of our foundations, we married so young and our foundations weren't ready for a house to be built on either one of them. And here we were trying to build, you know, this, this, this life um, pretty much on quicksand. <laughs> and so we both had to separate, fix our foundations and start our journeys for really getting to know who we were as people before even approaching to build anymore. Well, and I think the book is so good because you, you take us through your journey and you were so devastated after this divorce. So on the one hand, you were very devastated there, but on the other hand, you were you still had this very successful career in real estate and managing to keep both of those things going was no easy feat for you. And, and we learn a lot about it in the book. So, um, so let's talk a little bit about some of the themes, which are sort of real estate, but they're life related in your book and, and how they relate to life. So you just touched on the fixing your foundation, which is huge, right? Exercising, go, staging your property, getting ready to launch. I mean, there's so many of them. So take us through, take us through some of those stages. Well, of course, staging, right? Because you're not the person that you were when you were in this relationship. You are a new person. So, you know, how does the world view you? How do you view yourself? You need to kind of make a message to yourself that this is the new you. So one of the most important themes in real estate, when I'm when someone's down in the lobby, I say, you know what? Give me two minutes. Give me two minutes and come up. And that means I want to go and, and, and get the property ready. And that means I want to turn on every single light in the property. Sometimes it's 2.15 that a property is its absolute best light. And I say, oh no, I can't do two o'clock. Oh, but I could fit you in at 2.15. Could you come at 2.15? And that means, <laughs> I know the sun's gonna hit and light up that house. So how do you light up yourself? Well, you gotta learn what makes you happy. You need to learn how to turn yourself on. First, it's probably, you know, some downtime, uh, some salt bath and some self-care and avocado and lemon mask and some, you know, relaxing meditative music. And turning on the lights is the single most productive thing that you can do in real estate and that you can do with yourself. But of course, then the physical part of staging, you know, do some crest whiten strips, color your hair, do your face mask. All of these self-care things really make ourselves feel attached to our bodies, more relaxed, less concerned about what's going on on the exterior part and what's happening here. Even though the staging is about what people see, I'm most concerned about how a property feels overall. And when a property, when you have a fresh coat of paint and the smells, don't underestimate smells. <laughs> when you go into a beautiful hotel, they always nail that, right? That's but right. There's no, it is not lost on them. Beautiful smells to set the mood. Um, 
really attaches us to your property says, Hey, this person loves this property and who doesn't want something that is so loved and looked after. And that's the same exact thing with us, right? People, if we love ourselves, then all of a sudden the, the, the irony of all of this is when you finally attach to yourself and you don't really need anyone anymore, that's when everyone wants to be with you. <laughs> exactly. And that's a huge lesson you learned throughout the book. And that really comes through and see, you know, there's so many great lessons here, but certainly the importance of really learning to, to love yourself. And, and I love all the real estate metaphors because they just all work so well. And I know at one point in your book, um, I forgot what you call the group, but you found yourself hanging out with a lot of people, the Misery Loves Company group, right? So talk about that a little bit. And then your mother had some great, great advice. So the Connie Zingers are brilliant. Um, So, you know, I had a group of friends and Misery does love company. I was so in such a dark state that seeing people's happiness almost pierced my heart. I just, I felt so like such a victim. I didn't understand. I tried to be a, you know, a good person my whole life and do the right thing. You find the hundred dollars on the, on the floor and you go, you know, get to the customer service. You do all of these things for karma. And I didn't understand why then I, you know, that the, the universe wasn't, being kind to me. So I was attracted to people that were also struggling and, you know, we would sit around and they were very, 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 they are very, very, very funny. And and so we would all tell our tales, no, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. I had the worst day today. Listen to how I was rejected today. (laughs) And a lot of them were brokers. And the thing about the broker business, it is brutal on a level that no one can really understand unless you're a broker. The rejection that happens hourly is, it's like it's like a wave, a wave, a wave, another rejection, another rejection, another rejection. And you have to pull yourself up. So this was a bummer brownstone kind of support group of <laughs> isn't my life so pathetic. No, 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 this person rejected me. And then, and then I got the one-two punch. <laughs> But what we have seen over and over and over again, the little engine that could is that if you can turn your pain into petrol, right? Not stay what I call those loser lenses of, oh, I got rejected 10 times, so I must be a loser, right? If you can take off those loser lenses and say, this is going to help me get to the other side. I know I'm a winner, right? No is just a delayed yes. I will get myself there and use that rejection to be, I will show them what I'm made of. If not me, then who? I'm going to do this. So that is one thing that real estate really teaches you. You can't give up, you can't give up, you can't give up. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere comes a buyer and says, this is my home. And right. And then you're, yay. But I, and you had a great quote from your mother too. I think she said something to you about when you were 
when she realized you were hanging around with the loser group about celebrating other people's successes. And I, that was a very powerful statement. I think that she made to you, which is so important instead of focusing on, you know, as you said, the worst date, but. Yeah. She said, Holly, well, you, you can't celebrate your wins right now because well, you don't have any. <laughs> you need to go and celebrate other people's wins and be happy, truly happy for them and harness their happiness. And then slowly you can build up your own. But it was true. There wasn't, you do need to get out from beneath that victimism, being a victim, because it's not going to help you. I always call it being in the backseat, right? right? And saying, I don't like where we're going. I don't like this. I, I'm such a victim. I, but if you're a victim, you can't change it. You got to get from the back seat. You got to get behind the wheel and say, I might not like where I am, but I'm going to get myself to where I'm going to go. So um, always put yourself in a position of being able to take one step at a time to change your circumstances. Yeah. And that's so great because if you're, you know, a lot of times when we're going through painful things, and as you said, it's very hard to see other people who are happy or leading happy lives that you start to feel resentful of that. But if you sort of turn and say, you know, I'm going to be happy for, and really try to do that in a sincere way, it does start to turn that frame of mind. And that, that certainly happened with you. So, um, Another thing you have in your book that's hysterical, and, and they can certainly rival Carrie Bradshaw anytime. You have some very, very funny early on dating stories, and and I love some of the names that you gave some of these guys. One was Big D and Dickie Dork. So maybe tell us a little bit about those two experiences and actually what you learned from both of those. Yeah, Big D was certainly big. He, you know, he had a big, big character and right away, right away, oh, I can't believe I found you. I can't believe I found you. I've been waiting my whole life for you. He bought every single person in the bar a drink. I'm celebrating meeting this woman. <laughs> it was like our second date. That was our second date. So that was big. It was a big personality. And, um, and then he was in, but he was so big that he needed me to be small. And I'm not small. And so when... He kind of saw that I had my own life and a big life and I was, uh, I am an athlete and, and uh, a good skier. And he thought, wait a minute, wait a minute. Are you going to be better than me? He just felt that I was competing with him when I was just being me. And so Big D kind of, you know, eventually kind of ran away because he, Big D needed someone very small or mm -hmm. take care of. He needed someone to take care of. And the Dickie Dork, okay. <laughs> the Dickie Dork was my first encounter after my marriage. Um, he was first a friend and I was grateful for that relationship because it was, it was very nice at first. We would play tennis and go out to the beach house early before the whole group, the whole gang at the house would get there. Um, and I thought that I was safe within a friendship but then I saw that he didn't respect women very much. And I think it's been a problem of his whole life, but certainly at that moment. And he would bring, even though we weren't serious and we were just kind of friends and testing the waters. And I said, I can't, can't date you, but let's just be, let's just be friends.
he would bring other girls back to the house in front of me and and just these acts of being disrespectful to see almost like you can tell a little kid when they're poking right. Right? and they just want to get you get your attention and get get you to be get a reaction right so the dicky dork um would do that and eventually i just said i don't think i like you because you know <laughs> this is I don't, you're not a friend and you're certainly not a boyfriend so i'm out of here and then that was that was the end of dicky well good for you but they were sort of like transitional people too which i think you kind of relate to sort of the transitional housing too right so talk about that a little bit housing listen there's I wish I could have, you know, that first person out of my marriage, I wish he could have been perfect and respectful and gorgeous, but you know what I did, I did my best and I came up with Dickie and, um, and that happens sometimes where you're in a moment where you, I desperately wanted to move forward with my life. And of course, dating or being with someone helps you to do that. And when you get into transitional housing, whether it's an Airbnb or maybe just a vacation rental or or a three month short term, the the most important thing to do is to not be complacent and say, I guess this is the best that I can do. <laughs> to realize that short term housing is exactly that. This is short term and enjoy it for what it is. No strings and you can, like the perks and not like it and not even have the disappointments bother you because you're not staying it doesn't matter so well that's great advice for love and real estate so <laughs> that's a perfect example of how you combine these which i just love so then in your book you you take us through another painful divorce and that was a friendship divorce and i think that's also something a lot of us can relate to because friendships do change over time and people who are right for you at a certain time maybe not be right later on but that doesn't mean it's not as painful it's it is a divorce so tell us a little more about what happened to you and yeah how that felt yeah that was almost worse than my you know my marriage divorce which is right hard to even today to kind of contemplate because the first one was so painful but the friend divorce was was even worse that one really really kind of took me down we had been best friends for 20 years we were like will and grace and you know you just meet that someone that is kind of your soulmate friend and they finish you finish each other's sentences and you like the same things and and I say he uh, was very, very, very funny. And so when we were together, we, we made each other funnier. And we were very amused by that. And then um, he met someone. And I don't really understand. I still don't understand why our friendship went in the direction that it did. Um, I don't have the answers. And, I, and, and the more I talk to people about their situations, they don't have the answers either. Nobody understands, <laughs> not nobody. Right. Most people don't understand why these relationships ended. And that makes it even harder to not get the response or the closure, I think closure and not understand. And so it just feels like unanswered rejection, right? I mean, the best thing to do to an animal or a child is to ignore them. 
<laughs> that's if right. you really want to get someone back. You would, and that's what happened here. And it, the most important message of this whole book is you've got to attach to yourself. You've got to be your own best friend and you need to marry yourself. You gotta fix that foundation before you, you have any type of relationship on the outside. Because had I really attached my self-worth to my very best friend of 20 years who I trusted implicitly, if I had attached my self-worth to that human being, it would be like tying an anchor around my ankle and I would be lost forever. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. So the good news, though, without giving it away, it's okay. You did find your forever home with a great guy and you have a great life together and you have twins. That's so exciting. And a dog, too, I think. So you have a lot of things that you had really, I think, wanted way, way back then. And that that is so great. So you just talked about one of the important things you have. Are there a couple of other things that you would share of things you learned to women who might be listening right now who are in a painful post-divorce or going through that post-divorce right now, what would you say to them? Oh gosh, I would say, and this is going to sound crazy to them, but I would say this is such an exciting moment. This is such an exciting moment because the universe has given you a gift and I know it's hard to see that it's a gift, but it is a gift. And I, I, I cite JK Rowling's experience. She was in an abusive marriage. She left with her little baby and went back to Ireland. She was homeless. She was sleeping in her car and that kind of pushed her when you're at the bottom it gives you the clarity that somebody needs to get to the top and it's the top of what the top of yourself the top of figuring out what your purpose is on this earth right what the you what gifts the universe has given you what unique gifts and she needed that dark experience in order to find her gifts I needed that dark experience to find my gifts. And you all out there, if you are headed for the bottom, at the bottom, coming up from the bottom, maybe even around the middle, that's exciting. That is exciting because it just repeats itself over and over and over. The universe has not forgotten you. They are going to send you messages that is going to give your life true meaning. Do not give up on hope. Start building one day at a time and take yourself on the best date ever, even if it's just to your bathroom. Well, you know what? That's that's just a great, great message for women who may be going through that, but really for all of us right now this year, that is a great perfect message because it's really been a great time for people to really look inward and think about what matters and what's important and to focus on some of those very important lessons that you've learned. So we thank you for that message. So 
this is great. But before you leave, I have to ask you some real estate questions because <laughs> you are like the top person in New York City. And there, you have some great stories there, too. You know, uh, first, I, I love I can see why you're so great at what you've done when you read your book, because of the care and time that you spend with people. You talk about it a young woman who you really talk through her whole, you spent months with her teaching her how to really find and buy her first home. And that was a great story. And then of course, New York is, well, we're infamous for our co-op boards. I don't know if other cities around the country, they, I think it's kind of unique to New York, but we all know those, you know, the horror of that, both as a buyer and a seller. And you have a couple of stories around that. So I don't know if you just want to share one of those with us in terms of what that means in the New York market. It's nuts. The New York market is very dramatic. I mean, very dramatic. And of course, drama builds up. You find the apartment, you sign a contract, and then you do this whole co-op package. They want letters of reference, who you are, what clubs you belong to. And then the packages, like if anybody remembers what the old phone books look like, it's like a, the size of an old phone book. And then we make seven copies, sometimes 12 copies, send them in, and then you wait and wait and wait to see if you've even made an made it to the interview right sometimes they say need not apply like the story of uh, one of my dates when they met my mother that was a need not <laughs> um and sometimes they say no this this doesn't work and they don't right. tell you why. and they don't have to tell you why <laughs> And other times you do get the interview. And so my advice is, you know, you could say you love horseback riding and somebody on the board hates horses. You could say, I love animals. And they, that means that they think that you're going to buy a million dogs and cats and <laughs> they won't take you. So less is more. I say short answers, when, <laughs> you know, said that they loved to gamble and got rejected because you never tell a co-op board that you like to gamble <laughs> so it is and, and and here's the thing guys you get rejected when you think you're moving in two weeks okay so you've given up where you're living your rental your whatever you're doing you've you've had to give notice so now not only do you do you suffer this massive blow because you spent thousands of dollars getting here but then we need to find you a place to live very quickly. And this is why the condo market <laughs> developed in New York. Condos. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So before you leave, I have to ask you, because you know, I'm based in New York, too. I have, we have to talk a little bit about the New York State real estate market and the pandemic right now, because on the one hand, we're hearing stories of moving vans on every street, people moving out of the city. We know rentals. It's a great time to get a rental because they've dropped. But then yet on the other hand, you know, I, I'm reading about these mega multi-million dollar sales of, you know, townhouses and and so what's going on here and and what will happen do you think post pandemic so i i you know i have to confess i'm a new yorker 
and I've been 24 years in New York. So I do have a bias in that I, I passionately love this city so much. Um, but guess what? I'm not alone. And while some people might have taken advantage because some people have, you know, weekend houses and others fantasized about taking a break from the city um, all these years and say, wouldn't it be nice if we could just leave for a year and come back uh, and experience something different. So I think that that's what you've seen. You've seen a lot of people take advantage of a moment where they're not required to be in the office all the time. And they said, let's just go try something on, try something different on and have some fun. But does that mean that they are handing over their New York passport forever? No, not a chance. And they love the restaurants, they love the theater, they love walking around the streets. There's an energy to New York City and creativity of all of these people with so much energy and talent. And they're coming together in this big melting pot and they're inspiring each other, right? Energy creates energy. I know I get a little slow when I'm up at my farm um, and I say, I gotta get back to the city for a couple of days because I go back to the city and all of a sudden you go from you know level, level one to level 10. I can do so much more on city energy than I can exactly. energy. And so we, you know, we just did a $50 million deal. We did a $42 million deal. We did a $22 million deal. So what does that mean? Well, I can only speak from experience. And the last time our city struggled through 2009 and 2010, those are the numbers that started. It's the big, you know, the big ships moving into the harbor they came first. Why? I don't know. Maybe they have the money to do it. Maybe they have the foresight. Maybe they have the courage to say when all my dad always used to say when all the sheep are running one way, <laughs> that's the time that you want to run the other. And I remember after 01, I remember going to a real estate conference and someone saying the next day on September 12th, they got a phone call with someone saying, I want to invest real money into New York City. And there is something about it. We are an island. We are an incredible city. And we are going to be back in such a spectacular way because everybody that loves New York City has had this time to incubate and create new ideas and creativity and everyone's going to come back to that island and they are going to show it off so we will be open for everybody and everyone will be saying why didn't i invest back then <laughs> well thank you because you so totally encapsulated everything i love about new york city and 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 so many other people whether you live here or near here or you just visit it there's only one place like it and um here's to that big, big comeback. So Holly, this has been such a great conversation with you. And as I said, your book, Back on the Market, A Realtor's Guide to Love and Life, it's just about to be published, right? What's your actual date? You can go on hollyparker.com and order it. You can order it from anywhere that the big bookstores all over the place. And you can also follow me at Holly Parker underscore NYC 
for updates and just encourage it. I try and you know, kind of give my daily encouragement out there to uh, keep with the program, know your value and bring yourself up to be the strongest people that we can be. So yes, please order the book. I'm really proud of it. And hopefully it will give you the power and strength and and courage that I'm hoping to get out there. Well, here's here's to your book and here's to um, having it become a bestseller too. So thank you so much for being our guest today. Happy holidays. So, and so. great to talk to you. Talk to you. Bye. Bye.